On this episode of What I Witnessed, you'll hear a thrilling story from Darlene Parker about the Sodas Point Lighthouse on Lake Ontario in New York. She retells her experiences with an entity, which she calls a walker, and its infatuation with her 21-month-old daughter. She has a theory of why the entity becomes angry when the child is moved from one room into another. Devin Flores gives an introduction to his grandma's story. He graciously agreed to conduct the interview in my absence. My name is Devin Flores. I am a co-worker of Jose Ortega. And for as long as I can remember, my grandmother has been telling me a lot of very interesting stories. Um, When I was growing up, I lived in a very small town, and my grandmother lived only a few streets away. So when I was a small child, I spent a lot of time at her house. And she always had very interesting stories to share. She told stories about her time growing up. She told stories about my grandfather and his time in the military. And she told stories about my mother, her daughter, um, as a child, and that time period of her life. And one story out of these always stood out to me. And I get the feeling that it always stood out to a lot of our family members. She always told this story about when they lived at a lighthouse in upstate New York on the shores of one of the Great Lakes. And this story always fascinated me because it was a ghost story. And it was one of the few of her stories that was a a story like that, that was something unexplainable, something paranormal. And it really resonated with me. And I've never forgotten that story. I've been hearing it since as as long as I can remember since I was a very small child she would tell this story and I've always been super curious about all of the details and so when she had the opportunity to visit us here in Colorado recently because she currently lives in Nevada um I jumped at the opportunity to uh make sure to record that story to hear it again as an adult after so many years since the last time she told it to me and to get it uh, get an audio recording of it so that other people can hear it as well and so when she was visiting i we uh, coordinated a time where it would just be me and her um, at the museum where i work and we set up the recording equipment and she told the story in more detail than I think I've ever heard it, and it continues to fascinate me, the story about this lighthouse. And more than even before, I would really, really like to visit that lighthouse, to see for myself the place that has been such a big part of one of my favorite childhood stories. And so this is uh, that story that my grandmother has been telling for years. Um, So this is the story of the Sodas Point Lighthouse 
as recounted by my grandmother, Darlene Parker. This is what she witnessed. In 1979, in December of that year, my family and I moved to Sodas Point, New York, from Freeport, Texas. My husband was in the Coast Guard, and we had just been given orders to report to a lighthouse in Sodas Point. There's an old Sodas Point lighthouse, and then there's a, what they called at the time, the modern one, but it's now really old, too. The Sodas Point Lighthouse was built sometime around the early 1800s. I think it was around 1820 or so. And then it had some difficulties and needed to have some renovation done. And I think that happened around 1870 or so. And it's important for you to know that there was a third renovation that built on the front of the house. So the, the entirety of the house was like in three portions. The back of the house was the, was the tower, then there was a three-story house, and then there was the front of the house, which was a two-story house. The lighthouse had very little um, history for me to find in 1979. There was no internet for me to just do a quick search. So I had only little bits of information that I could figure out about it. I knew that in its early years, it was run by a... Um, probably several, uh, lighthouse keepers, just like any lighthouse keeper you've probably ever imagined, a man maybe and his wife and a, maybe a small family or just the man, I don't know. There's very little history, as I said. And then the next bit of history that I knew is that the Coast Guard at some point took over the house, and Coast Guard men, single men, would live there, and they would, it would be their responsibility to make safe all of Lake Ontario. If you've never seen Lake Ontario, you have to know that it's no small lake. It's an enormous body of water. It's so huge that when you're looking at it, you don't believe you're looking at a lake. You believe you're looking at the ocean, and it sounds like the ocean, and it beats on the shore just like an ocean would beat on the shore. So in December of 1979, we, my husband and I, and our three children, moved from very hot, very humid Gulf Coast, Texas, to the very, very cold Sodas Point, New York. As we drove up the road, heading to the lighthouse, it was pitch black because there were no streetlights. But we knew, we absolutely knew, we would know our house when we got there. And of course we did. When we pulled up, it was all dark. There was nothing to see except for the little bits of light that you would expect to see in the distance. We could hear this ocean sound beating up on our lawn, or what it appeared to be on our lawn, and we could see this big, huge house that we were supposed to call home. When we arrived, we arrived with nothing with us except for two suitcases and a box of cooking utensils and pans, a box of toys, five sleeping bags, and five pillows, nothing else. Because in 1979, you could actually do that. You could just move around the country and have all that, that be the only things you, you were going to need for maybe weeks to come. Because our furniture, our things, our everything that meant something to us 
was somewhere in the United States coming to us. The Coast Guard never told us when something was going to arrive. We just arrived where we belonged, and eventually our furniture would come along. Well, we went into the house, and it was freezing cold, and it was also pitch black inside. We turned on the little bits of lights, and my husband went into the basement to get the, um, the radiators running, and so there was some heat going. But it was late, and we were tired, and the kids were small. Our son was only six years old, and then our daughter, who was four, and then our baby, Melanie. Melanie was not quite two years old yet. I think she was maybe 21 months old in that range. So we didn't explore the house. We didn't do anything. We just walked in the door at the front, and the front, when we walked in, was into the kitchen. And to the right, there would be a dining room, and then off from that room was a laundry room. But if we went straight in from the front door, you walked into a the first um, living room. And if you looked to your right, there would be a second living room. Neither of these rooms were really big. They were just maybe like 12 by 14 and 12 by 12, something like that, small rooms. And if you walked forward a little bit further out of these rooms into a small hallway, you'd look to your right, and there would be an interior staircase leading up to the second floor. And then if you walked back further, there was a small bedroom to the right, a bathroom to the left, and you would be facing the first floor entry to the lighthouse tower. That door was solidly locked all the time. We brought in our few possessions into the house, and since it was so late and we were so tired, we uh, got ready to go to bed. We didn't explore anything other than the very bottom areas of the house. I put three sleeping bags in the first uh, living room. My son's sleeping bag came first, the six-year-old, then our daughter, the four-year-old, Melissa, and then baby Melanie was in the last sleeping bag. In the second living room, which was only steps away from the first living room and only separated by an arch, I laid down two more sleeping bags, and everyone got a pillow. We all laid down, and we went to sleep. As morning approached... It was still dark, but uh, there was just like a glimmer of light, and it was so cold, and I learned through the time that we spent there that it was going to be cold in that house a lot because it was just like living in a freezer. I got up, and I thought I better check on the kids to make sure they were covered, and so I, in the semi-darkness, went over to the sleeping bag that the baby was sleeping in, And I reached down to cover her up and found that she wasn't there. She was only 21 months old and in a strange place. So it seemed very odd that she wasn't either right there or in my arms crying because that was the only two places she would ever be. So I thought, okay, maybe she had just gotten into the sleeping bag with her sister just just a step away. So I went to Melissa's sleeping bag and I opened it up And Melissa was sound asleep, but there was no baby in that sleeping bag with her. So I went to her brother's sleeping bag, which was just two steps away. And I looked there to see if the baby could be sleeping with her brother. And there was no baby. By this time, I was a little bit worried. But I thought, well, logically, she whimpered in the night, and my husband heard it and got to her before I even woke up. So surely she's just asleep in the sleeping bag with her dad. So I went to his sleeping bag, and I woke him, and I said, uh, you must have the baby. And he said, no. 
and he leapt out of the sleeping bag when I told him that I couldn't find her. We went to this first sleeping bag that Melanie had been sleeping in, and my husband shook the sleeping bag, hoping that a baby would fall out, and no baby fell out. He went to Melissa's sleeping bag and pulled her right out of the bag, still asleep, and stood her next to me, and he grabbed up the sleeping bag and shook it, and no baby fell out. He went to the third sleeping bag in a row where our son was sleeping, and he grabbed him out and stood him up on the floor next to me and shook his bag, and no baby fell out. You have to think about this for a second before I continue. We were in a house that was completely empty. There was no furniture anywhere. The only things that were in that house were the very few possessions that we'd brought in. It only took a glimpse around the room once the sun was a little bit more coming through the window to see that there was no baby in that room. We went back into the second living room and quickly looked. It's easy to search a room when there's nothing hardly in the room. And there was no baby in that room. We went into the kitchen, looking around. Where could the baby be? We went into the dining room. It only takes a second to glance around at an empty room to find that there is no baby there. We came back out. We walked through the two living rooms. We walked into the hallway. We walked down the hallway to the small bedroom on the right. It only took a second to look around that bedroom because the sun was a little bit higher now, and we could see there was no baby in that room. We turned to the bathroom. No baby. There was no baby in any of the downstairs. My husband led us to the interior staircase. We were standing at the bottom of that staircase, and I said to my husband, she is a baby. She's never seen a staircase before. She would not go up the stairs. She would have cried. She would have woken up in the night and cried, and you or I would have gotten to her. She would not have gone up the stairs. We went up the stairs to look for her. We went up the stairs, and when we got the top of the stairs, which we had never been to before, not expecting to find a baby up there for certain, most certainly, we came to the first bedroom, opened the door. You have to know that these bedrooms, the next four that I'm going to describe, are shaped in a horseshoe shape. You walk through the first bedroom, looking around, there's no baby. That bedroom leads into the second bedroom, looking around, another empty room, there is no baby. We turn the corner and go into the third bedroom, making the loop in the horseshoe, and we end up in the next bedroom, another empty bedroom, empty including no baby, and we walk into the fourth bedroom from that one, and there is no baby in that empty bedroom. There's a closet, though, and we search it, and then we walk into the hall. Now we're in the hallway upstairs, and if we walk forward from that fourth bedroom door, maybe three or four steps, there is a bathroom on the right, with no baby. There is a bedroom on the left with no baby. And if we're standing in the hallway facing forward, we are facing in front of the second of the entries to the spiral staircase leading up to the light. Well, we're pretty baffled at this point and really scared. And my husband turns on his heels and says, I'm calling the police. We ran down the stairs. And as he ran past living rooms, and into the kitchen to find the phone on the wall. The two children and I were right behind him. But as I passed through the second living room, I glanced on the floor, and there laying in front of the closet door that we had previously opened was the baby. She was laying there in her little nightgown, and the little nightgown was pulled completely down over her legs. Anybody that has a baby 
that wears a nightgown knows that the nightgown is never going to be down around the baby's legs if the baby is asleep. But there she was, in plain sight, where we had walked over and over again looking for her. There she was. And I cried, and I picked her up, and she was freezing cold. And she cried when I picked her up, not, not crying afraid, not crying like that, but just crying like, why are you bothering me? I'm trying to sleep here. And that's the end of the first part of this story. But there's more story to be told. The second part of the story actually doesn't even begin for a few months. Remember, it's December of 79 when the baby disappeared. And that was our first night in the lighthouse. Anybody listening to that part of the story would say, well, what happened? What, what did you do next? What, what do you think happened? And I'm not going to tell you what I think happened. I'm going to wait. You have to wait until you hear the rest of what happened. For the next few months, we just got about doing our business. We didn't know what had happened. We were just grateful to have our daughter back. And we didn't know how to solve the mystery of it all. So we just went on living. We got up in the morning and cooked breakfast. And kids went off to school eventually. And my husband went to work. And I cleaned house. And our furniture arrived. And we put things away. And life just kind of, of went on. We took each of the rooms upstairs, the four bedrooms and the room outside of the horseshoe loop, and we put each child in a different room. Our son was in room number one. Uh, Actually, no one was in room number two. Melissa was in room number three. We made room number four our master bedroom. And uh, the little room that was close to the spiral staircase door, that became baby Melanie's room. Baby Melanie loved her room, and uh, it was just a cozy little room that I remember so many times laying on her little itty-bitty bed reading her stories, and she was happy in there. She was happy, 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 and she didn't want to have to be in any other room, but eventually she had to move out of that room because as summertime approached, it was important for my husband, who was the auxiliary coast guardsman there, Uh, to collect materials that he was going to need in order to run things for the auxiliary coast guard that was maintained by the civilians of Sotus Point. So my husband needed a place to store all of the equipment that was coming in, and then he needed dry storage for the winter for things as well. So he said, I'm going to take that bedroom. I'm going to put padlock on the outside of that bedroom door, and Melanie's going to need to be moved into another room because uh, this is the only room that no one can get into from another room. So baby Melanie was moved out of that room and in with her sister, and the, um, the room was filled up with Coast Guard equipment, all kinds of Coast Guard equipment. And my husband put a padlock on the outside of that door. So nobody went in that door. Nobody went out that door except for he. And he occasionally, he would get things in the mail. And he would put things up in there to store them away until he either needed them or through the the winter months. So everything in the house was quiet. Nothing had been happening since that first event when uh, the baby disappeared. Until the day, the night of the day that we moved Melanie out of that room. That night, I woke up in the night, as any mother of three children would, because you're always getting woken up from something. 
kids crying or falling out of bed or wetting the bed or just wanting to climb in bed with you. There's always a reason why you're awake in the night. And every time I was awake in the night, I would hear walking. I would hear walking on the spiral staircase. If you've never been in a lighthouse, you don't know what the sound of a spiral staircase is like. The, The tower is all made of stone, and the walls are terribly thick, and the staircase is all metal. So every single step you take in that tower reverberates all around in there, and it is so incredibly loud, and it is very distinct. So in the night, I would hear that sound. I would hear the sound of somebody walking on the stairs, and it was... I, I would try to make reason why I was hearing this sound. It, there has to be something. There has to be some reason why this sound is happening. But I didn't investigate, not yet anyway. I would go back to sleep. There's nothing I could do. It's in the middle of the night. I had children to take care of, so I would do that. But this walking would continue. I would hear it again, and then I would hear it again. And one day I said to my husband, do you not hear this, this walking in the night? And he said, he's not hearing walking in the night. He's asleep. So one night, the walking was happening, and I thought, I'm going to wake him up. He's going to have to hear this because it never ended. So I told him. I said, hey, wake up, wake up. Listen to this. And he heard the walking. And he also knew that it was the sound of something or someone in the spiral staircase. So the next day, obviously there's nothing we can do at night, the next day we searched the stairs. We searched the every entry into the staircase there was an entry at the bottom an entry of the second floor an entry of the third floor uh up entering from the house into the spiral staircase and then there was an exterior stair uh, entry from the back of the house so we checked all of the windows which were all painted shut from who knows how long the windows would not open and they did not let wind fly around in there so much that it would make it sound like somebody was walking on the stairs and the door at the bottom was securely locked and there was nobody living in that on that third floor and nobody from inside our house was walking on the stairs but the stop the walking continued every night regardless of whether or not we could find out why it was happening so one night we were asleep and we heard a sound that was so incredibly loud, a sound that didn't just happen. It was a sound that happened and continued on like a freight train running through the house. It was so loud and so much noise. And then all of a sudden, the sound was completely gone. It was completely silent. And the very last sound we heard at the end of this noise was the toilet seat downstairs slamming shut like a great huge exclamation point at the end that was weird my husband and I both sat up in bed at the exact same time when we heard this sound we both leapt out of the bed and started rushing through the house to try to figure out what in the world just happened but there was nothing to find nothing there was nothing upstairs to find there was nothing downstairs to find But that toilet seat downstairs was definitely shut, absolutely and completely shut. 
but nothing else was disturbed anywhere. It was unexplainable. We didn't know what to do about that. And who do you tell? Who do you say, hey, there's a, something funny going on around here, but we don't know what it is. So what do you do in a situation like that? You just go back to bed, and you go back to sleep, and you get up the next morning, and you go right on living your life. Because you don't know what's going on walking in those stairs. You don't know what happened to that baby. And you don't know what that noise was from. So some time goes by. I don't know how much. Days, maybe weeks, I don't know. But a package arrives. And my husband brings it home from the post office. And he goes upstairs to put it in the locked bedroom door, bedroom next to the uh, spiral staircase on the second floor. He unlocks the door. And he walks in, and that room has been completely and thoroughly destroyed. Things are thrown everywhere. And anything that could possibly be broken was broken to bits. It was unbelievable to see the destruction that happened in that room. And we sure as heck knew where that noise had come from that night after looking at that room. We saw a whole lot of anger in that room. We saw such... Such anger that only stayed in that room. It didn't leak out into the hallway, and it didn't leak out into any other room. It was just all over that room. So what do you do with that? You clean it up. You just clean up things, and you put things away, and you buy new things that were broken, and you don't know what the heck happened. So now you're wondering, what do I think happened? Well, this is what I think. I think that when we arrived at the house that night, that whatever that walker was on the stairs was in that home at that point and saw us arrive with that baby. And that walker wanted that baby so bad. He wanted that baby. Maybe he just wanted to hold the baby. Maybe he wanted to keep the baby. I don't know. But I think that when he saw how distraught we were, how afraid we were that he brought the baby back. He gave her back to us. But I don't think he left her. I think that he stayed with her every night that she stayed in that little bedroom. I think he came in there and was with her, never hurt her, only there to love her, only to be maybe the dad he was never able to be when he was alive. So then the room had to be changed. It had to no longer be the baby's room. And when that baby was taken away, I think that walker got very upset. And that's when the walking began. And I think he walked, and he walked, and he walked until he couldn't just walk anymore. He was so angry or so sad that he had a fit that night. He didn't have a fit at us. And he didn't hurt anybody. And he never really honestly scared us, except for that night when the baby disappeared. But I think he just wanted to be with her. And then he couldn't anymore. And I think the reason that he couldn't anymore is because at the beginning of this, I said that the house had had renovations. The tower of the house, the tower where the light was, was the oldest part of the house. And that was the origination of it all. 
and then the second part of the house led up to and through the small bedroom and into the first part of the living room. And then the last renovation was the front of the house where all the rest of us ended up living all of our lives because we were forward from the origination of the house. And I think that walker could only go so far. He could only go the distance that was original to him. And I feel sad and I feel bad for that walker because we were the last family to ever live in that house. There was never another baby to be in there. Maybe a visitor because the house is now a museum. So visitors could come and go. But no baby was ever going to live in there. No baby was going to slip in that little room anymore. And that walker was going to be alone for the rest of his eternity. You can follow What I Witnessed on Instagram and Facebook. If you have a story to tell, you can private message us on Instagram, Facebook, or email us at whatiwitnessed at gmail.com. W-H-A-T-E-Y-E-W-I-T-N-E-S-S-E-D at gmail.com.